Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey everybody, how's it going this week? Hope you all are doing well. Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as always. This is episode 26. Today we will be joined by the great Rob Ryan up in Canada, a master educator, a fantastic soloist. He does lots of great work up there in his hometown. Uh, You're going to learn a whole lot from today's episode, I think, so please stay tuned. Lost Cabos Drumsticks may be the best kept secret from drummers today. Lost Cabos Drumsticks makes the finest tools to touch a drummer's hands in the business. The best news, almost every popular stick size is available in both white hickory and red hickory. If you don't know what red hickory is, it's made from the heartwood of the hickory tree, unlike regular white hickory, which is made from sapwood. Red hickory drumsticks will hold up to even the hardest hitting drummers. Their durability comes from the density of the wood, but they do not sacrifice the feel. Please visit LosCabosDrumsticks.com to learn more about their products. And don't forget to ask at your favorite retailer for Lost Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys, as I mentioned, we're going to be joined today by the great Rob Ryan. Uh, Rob is a fantastic educator up in Canada. Uh, Rob and I uh, are both um, dream symbols and Lost Cabos Drumsticks artists. That's how our paths cross. But I asked Rob to come on because he is just such an incredible educator. I knew that we would all learn a ton of good information from Rob. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to go check out his uh, lesson that he did for the fine folks at Drumeo out in Vancouver. Um, Just a phenomenal player. I can't say that enough times. So without further ado, let's welcome the great Rob Ryan to the Drum Shuffle. Good evening, Rob. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, buddy. Good, good. Hey, man, thanks for taking time and coming on the Drum Shuffle. We really appreciate your time. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me on. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. Um, Rob, what we typically do is we start at the very beginning. Um, Tell our listeners how you got into drumming. Yeah, I think my story is a lot like, uh, you know, a lot lot of guys that I hear on on the podcast, you know, playing on the pots and pans at like age two type of thing. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a... uh, I don't want to say a musical family because neither one of my parents played an instrument, but they always had music on. And, you know, I got uh, from a very young age, I was listening to everything from Sandy Nelson to Buddy Rich Big Band to straight ahead country and classic rock and all that type of stuff. So it was kind of like, you know, I, I had like this really varied musical influence even at a really young age. And then when I was, uh, when I was four or five, my mom tried to find somebody that would teach me and nobody would take a kid that age. Yeah. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't until I was six that my mom found this woman teacher uh, about 20 minutes away from us that would actually take a six year old kid. So, you know, I studied with her for, I don't know, five or six years or something. And then we moved away and you know, that that was, uh, I I guess I got the bug real early. Right. Yeah. Uh, But, but it was cool because my original teacher, she was like, 
super into rudiments and she made me play on a practice pad for a full year before I could get a drum kit. Um, and I think that laid a, an awesome foundation for, you know, what I do now. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I think I think there's two paths, you know, and and the more and more that I talk to other drummers and, and, you know, especially some of my favorite drummers I've been lucky enough to have on the show. You know, there's there's two paths for everybody. And it's either you immediately start into lessons and learning how to read and rudiments or you're throwing on the Kiss record or the Led Zeppelin record and, and banging away on your first kit, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I kind of did it backwards, I think, from a way of a lot of my friends did it because I obviously did the lesson route right away. But then when I was like, I don't know, you know, say 11, 12 years old, I stepped away from lessons for a while and all that I did was played along to like my favorite kind of, I guess, would have been vinyl at that time and some cassettes. And, you know, because at, at that age, you start to kind of blossom into like your own kind of personal preferences for music. And that's really all I wanted to do. So, yeah, it was like the kiss, you know, kiss alive. I was playing <laughs> along to Peter Chris's stuff. And, you know, and eventually, you know, as, as the teenage years kicked in, it became Metallica. And, you know, and then the grunge era happened. And then it was Alice in Chains and Primus. And then, you know, eventually I ended up going back for more lessons. But I, I think I kind of did it backwards in that. I took all these lessons and then I applied everything that I had to playing my favorite music versus the way some guys do it, where they try to just figure it out from playing their favorite music. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and I was the kid that, you know, begged my mom for the drums until I got them and then put on the, the Kiss and Motley Crue and Led Zeppelin records and learned to play that way, you know, and sure. And, you know, after you've been playing 25, 30 years like I have, you know, I look back now and say, gosh, I wish I had taken the the other path, you know, so that I wouldn't have some of the terrible habits that I have now and, and, and all that stuff. Yeah, but, you know, on the other side of it, you learned how to play music first. Well, that's right? true. And I think, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think in today's day and age where, you know, we have Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, a lot of guys forget that, you know, the drums are a musical instrument and it's not just about the drum. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And I I I hear that complaint from a lot of guys, right? And most people nowadays, I mean, they don't even want to play with a band. They don't know what it's like to drive a band. You know, like all the way through high school, I played in concert band and jazz band and the big band. And I learned in high school how to drive a band. Right. And I don't think there's a lot of guys, man, that just don't know how to do that these days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think I think there's good and bad from both paths starting out for sure. Absolutely. For sure, man. You know, but when I was a kid, it was like the only way you were going to make it. There there was no Internet when I started playing the drums. You know, I mean, you're right. So, I mean, the only way to make it as a drummer was in a band kind of thing you know so uh it was just i guess the natural progression for me um now so you said jazz band and you know concert band and all that so i'm assuming you um you know through your middle school high school years you were doing drumline and and all those kind of things right well no not no drumline because i'm from canada and believe it or not man drumline is not popular here at all Really? Um, okay. No, not at all. Like it, it's such an anomaly with how big it is in the U.S. Uh, it's not big here at all. Of uh, in the area that I grew up, let's say you know, let's say ten high schools, there was one high school that actually had a marching band. 
Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, it's just it's not a it's not a big thing here. Well, okay, so let me ask the dumb question. You know, I mean, I, sure. I've got tons and tons of Canadian friends, but, you know, I'm guessing that, that you know, American football, you know, obviously is way down the list next to hockey. Does that have anything to do with the fact that there's not many marching bands in Canada that, that hockey oh, is? probably. I, I mean, you know, that's, I, I never would have made that connection unless you said that, right? Yeah, no, I would assume, and, and, and I didn't make that connection until you just said that, but you're probably right. <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, hockey just doesn't have the, the halftime show, right? Right. You know, so, but yeah, it's just not a popular thing here. And I, I remember being in high school and wanting to transfer to the one high school that had the marching band, but it just wasn't feasible. Uh, you know, it was, you know, 45 minute drive or whatever it was away from where I live for me to go to that school. So it just wasn't feasible for me to get there. Gotcha. Well, so, so in your formative years, you know, when you were, you know, first starting to, to, you know, play along with records and things like that, you, you said you kind of went back to, to lessons again. And of course you're, you're known as, as a great educator. So, I mean, obviously Mm. you've had tons and tons of formal training, Um, you, you know, and I know that you're, you know, dare I say, one of the, the experts in the masterful Gary Chafee uh, realm, you know, all of his yeah. stuff. So yeah. who were your influences during this time? I mean, you mentioned Metallica and kind of the grunge era, but are there? Yeah, and I mean, and that was like, you know, until I was about 17. And then so once I figured out who Vinny Colyuda was. Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, Vinny has just, he has had more of an impact on my playing through the years than anybody else. And it's not because of his, you know, amazing chops. It's because of his amazing mind. And, you know, I had gotten into like Dave Weckl and Steve Gadd and, and, you know, some of these like, you know, drummers, drummers. And I kept reading about this guy, Vinny Colyuda in Modern Drummer. And as we mentioned, the internet just wasn't there, right? You couldn't just jump on YouTube. I mean, Drummers now don't even realize how great they have it. Oh, no doubt. You hear doubt. about a guy, you jump on YouTube, you can just go look at him, right? But Right. I mean, I grew up in a small city, you know, the, the record store didn't carry anything that Vinny called you to play on. I couldn't get my hands on this, but I kept reading about this cat, right? So the Buddy Rich Memorial Scholarship video, which I'm sure you and every one of your listeners is very well aware of, and if they're not, they should definitely check it out. The one in in specific, I had a a friend of mine lend me the VHS tape that was Dave Weckl, Steve Gadd, Vinny Colyuda, and Vinny came out, and I was just like, who the hell? Like, you know, I've read about this guy, but who plays like this? Yeah. And that led me into kind of like delving down that rabbit hole of who did he study with? And that's what got me into the Gary Chafee stuff. Because then I, I found out that, you know, he spent a year with Gary Chafee at Berkeley. And, you know, he had studied with Alan Dawson and so he knew all of his rudiments and, and I had done that, like I mentioned with my first teacher. So I'm like, okay, I've got a grasp of that. Now who's this Gary Chafee guy, right? Right. So I went out and I bought all four of the pattern series. And I remember looking at these books and being just so confused. I don't know if you're familiar with the books or not. I Uh, I am. They're all, okay. 
they're very difficult. <laughs> they, they are. And, and, you know, when I was, you know, in my formative years, I'm going to tell a, a, a quick story. But when I was in my formative years, some of the older guys, you know, here in the music scene, the, the, the drummers that I looked up to that were on the local scene, I remember two or three of them got together and I think they made it to like page four in one of those books, mm. you know, <laughs> right? Well, and, and they were like, okay, that's as far as we can get today, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. It, yeah. No. And that's it, man. Those books are so hard. But the, the thing is with the Gary Chafee books is that rhythm and meter patterns and sticking patterns, as an example, they're written 90% just for snare drum. Right. And then Gary says, oh, you can do this or you could do that. But I mean, here I am like an 18, 19 year old kid. And I could read the material because my first teacher taught me how to read really, really well. So I could read the material, but I didn't know what the hell to do with it. So, you know, a year or two later, Gary then came out with two VHS tapes. And I bought them immediately because I was still fascinated with what Vinny was doing and how, you know, and Steve Smith, too, is another one. And I knew that they both studied with Gary. So I was like, I need to figure this stuff out. So I watched these VHS tapes and everything just clicked. I'm like, oh my God, I get it now. So I understood what to do with the material. Right. So the practical application is is where the rubber met the road, so to speak. Absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'm I'm proud to say that I've worked through uh, almost every page of all of his books at this point. Not to say that I've that I can apply all of it, but you know, I can, uh, I can read it. I can play it, <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, some of it is not applicable material to any kind of music. That's for sure. Some of it's pretty out there. Right. Well, but when you, when you learn, um, you know, I guess when you learn those, those sticking patterns, it may not be applicable to any music that you're going to be playing on a bandstand, but it certainly right. builds a certain muscle memory and a certain capability within you as a player. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, knowing, just as an example, knowing how to subdivide five against three, okay, and I can play polyrhythms within polyrhythms has certainly helped my sense of time when I play some funk or a shuffle. Right. Right. Because I'm that aware of the internal pulse of where four is, even when subdividing a polyrhythm within a polyrhythm in four, four time, you have to be so aware of where that pulse is that nothing is wavering ever. Right. Well, so it's definitely improved my sense of time. There's no doubt. It will absolutely. And, and, you know, I think the guys that, that studied Gary's, methods okay so you you mentioned youtube i can get on youtube and watch a guy playing a drum solo that's just amazing and it's you know highly technical but you don't you don't feel the pulse the guys that grew up in that chafee you know tradition you can always feel the pulse no matter how crazy the solo gets right i mean i agree yeah i totally agree with that so, I mean, you know, it's not just about chops. It's about, <laughs> you know, showcasing the chops, but still being a, a rhythmic instrument, you know. Oh, 100% it is, yeah. I mean, his, his books challenge your mind so much. And if you don't have a solid sense of where the pulse is, you will fall flat on your face all the time. Yeah, 100% Any of one the of time. his snare drum etudes, you will literally fall flat on your face. Yeah, no, no doubt yeah. about it. No doubt about but it. it's fun stuff, man. It's, it's super fun material. 
Well, so, you know, I guess I, the, the next question is, you know, of course, you're you're teaching a lot. Yeah. I mean, are, mm-hmm. are, are all of your students working through those books or? Are... No, no. <laughs> I, I, honestly, man, I've got a couple of guys that, you know, we are working through some of the Chafee material. But, you know, I think what it did for me is it made me realize at a pretty young age how important, just as an example, uh, and actually, I'm going to reference to Mark Giuliano's book, too. I don't know if you're familiar with his book. Um, but he's got a section at the beginning that he calls the loop. And, you know, he's basically saying this is the most important thing that you're going to learn. And it's going back and forth between eighth notes, triplets, and sixteenths. And so, I mean, I learned through Gary Chafee material how important knowing your subdivisions are. So I use that as a, as a basis, even with my beginner students. Right, because if you think about that, as you start to learn Afro-Cuban music, well, I mean, what do those guys do? You know, there's three against two polyrhythms all over the place. Uh, if you trace it back to African roots, there's tons of four against three polyrhythms or three against four polyrhythms, and they're dividing the line between eighth notes and triplets. And you need to be able to play. You know, say you're playing a, a mambo pattern and you want to drop into six eight, they do it all the time. So you need to have those subdivisions. So dialed in to be able to do that. You know what I mean? So yeah. I spend a lot of time on subdivisions with my students. Tons. And I've seen great results with it. Well, I mean, and it, that's awesome because, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to say anything bad about anybody, but there are a lot of guys <laughs> that can't do that. You know, I mean, down here in, in Kentucky where I'm at, you know, it's a lot of shuffle stuff. You know, and you can yeah. you can always tell the guys that really know how to shuffle and then the guys that are faking it till they make it. You know what I mean? Sure. So absolutely, man. And it's all about absolutely. how you're subdividing that. So Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the other things that I, I really, really stress in my teaching, you know, just if we're talking about shuffle, you know, I uh I was taught this ride symbol pattern by one of my previous teachers and you know I will have my students sit down. We will put the metronome at 120, and at 120, that is an eighth note of a triplet. So you're literally, you're playing at 40 beats a minute, and I have them counted out. Triple, let, triple, let. And on the downbeat, you're dropping your stick, and on the let, you're lifting. Right. And you want to see something that's going to improve your time? Yeah. Try that exercise, man. Five minutes a day, your time will round out so fast, it's not even fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a, that's a great technique uh, and a great method to to teach that stuff. That's awesome. Well, and it, it it really is. And I'll tell you one thing that it really does. And here's you know you can tell when a guy can shuffle or play jazz time or whatever when they are putting as much emphasis on the skip beat as they are the downbeat. You know that they're not a real good player. But the method that I'm talking about, because you're lifting on the let, so that stick is just touching the ride cymbal coming up. You're literally driving the band with the quarter note, and that let of the triplet, the skip note, is half the volume. Your groove improves like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, you know, you can just put on any ZZ Top record and, oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, Frank, Frank Beard was the master at all that stuff. You know, the Texas shuffle and I mean, you know, yeah. it's just, just a machine when he shuffles. Um, Absolutely. But see, these are the subtleties that I get into in my teaching because 
most guys don't even notice that. Like they don't even, they just think, oh, I'm playing a shuffle. I got to play, you know, the first and third partials of a triplet. They don't think about the internal micro dynamics of their own playing. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's how you learn to do it. You know, it's okay. I can play this. I'm going to do it. You, you don't give it much thought beyond that, you know, and exactly. Um, you know, I, I was very fortunate. Uh, I was able to have Jason Smay on the show, you know, a few weeks back. And I, I mean, you want to talk about the master of the shuffle, you know, from J.D. McPherson's band. I mean, that guy's right. just a beast, you know, and, and he mm-hmm. talked about that. He was like, when I was a little kid, man, I would just sit in my bedroom and play shuffle stuff on a pillow you know, at night, right. you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and look at him now. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it's, it is something that you definitely have to work on. There's, there's no, there's no questioning that it's something you have to work every day to get better at, you know, as, oh, with, I agree. as with anything, you know, um, I completely agree, man. So, Rob, you mentioned Mark Juliana. Um, you yeah. know, I, I saw a great video of you using one of his techniques. Um, I think it's called the the drop technique. And yeah, you, you did it yeah. with nothing but but paradiddles around the kit. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was really cool, man. And I had never well, really thought about applying it that way. But so I, I'm assuming Mark is, is you know, somebody that you follow pretty closely. Yeah, I, I kind of came across Mark, I want to say about a year and a half ago. And it was, you know, just one of those names that I kept hearing or I kept reading about, like Mark Juliana. And, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy, right? And then, I don't know, I found him online. And like the first time I saw him play, I'm like, and just, I don't know, man, like there's, I don't get it. And I mean, <laughs> like, you know, I'm a high level player and I'm watching them and I'm like, I don't know, man. Like it's just, my head wasn't there. Cause I, I think, you know, I was still like in super chops mode and the more I watched them, the more I was like, man, but he's so musical and his touches there. And I don't know. I just really started to dig him more and more and more. And like now I would say he's probably my favorite player. And you know, I'm humble enough to say that, like, my head just wasn't in the right place right. to actually understand him the first time that I heard him. Right. You know, but now I get him. I like him. Yeah, I, I was the same way the first time I heard Benny Greb. You know, I mean, somebody was go. like, you need to check out Benny Greb. And I did. And I was like, ah, I, you know, I mean, he's he grooves well. I, You know, I don't really... I'm not, you know, I, same thing. I wasn't getting it. And the more and more I watched his playing, I was like, man, this dude gets it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, well, you know, sometimes your head's just not in the right place. Right. I mean, right. Like the, like the first time I heard Mark, um, I was preparing to go out to Drumeo to do some live lessons. And it was like really, you know, very choppy, very drumistic. So that's just where my head was at. So to understand what Mark was doing on a four-piece drum kit with two cymbals and, you know, playing with dynamics and different rates and just the way that he plays with rates, which was, you know, different than the way I was doing it at the time and his orchestrations and stuff, I just really didn't get it. My head just wasn't there. And that's on me. But hey, I get him now, so... Right. Well, he's an amazing player. There's no doubt about it. And, yeah. um, you, you know, 
you mentioned Drumeo and, um, you know, that that's a, uh, you know, when I pull up YouTube, it's kind of like automatic. I got to go see what Drumeo has put up here in the last week or so, you know, um, because it's a great place for drummers to go and and just check out really cool stuff, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I I can lose an afternoon on, on, you know, their YouTube page or whatever. Oh my God. No kidding. Yeah. But they have just a fantastic studio out there and you know uh, i checked out you know your solo that you did out there at drumeo mm-hmm. and uh you know real tasty stuff um you oh, know thank you you're welcome um but just some of the ostinatos and the patterns and the and the odd the odd uh time the odd meter that you know you i think you were playing five against three at one point and well okay so ironically the whole thing is Okay. And, and yeah, well, there, so there you go. You've already blown my mind. So go. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the whole thing is in four and I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll break it down real fast for, you know, if anybody wants to check it out and, you know, just refer back to my breakdown. So the opening ostinato is a five note grouping with my left hand, but it is eight notes, uh, phrased. So it takes five bars to come around. Okay. My bass drum is in three, uh, in 16th notes against that. Um, then it goes to a uh, grouping of three with my left hand again in eighth notes, which then goes to an ostinato in three and 16th notes with my feet. But the whole thing is in four. It just takes bars to cycle back around. And the reason why I did it that way, of course, I mean, you can think of it in an odd time, but then of course the polyrhythms that I play against it become really wonky uh, to think about. So if you're thinking about it in four, it's just a lot easier to think of where the internal pulse is for those so it, eventually everything comes back around and meshes at some point in the cycle. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, so I, you know, it's not something that I would ever attempt, you know, I mean, I, I play like a caveman, honestly, you yeah. know, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, but that's, you know what, man, there's, we all have our, our strengths at the instrument. I mean, there, there's lots of guys that say that they play like a caveman, but they groove like crazy. So I mean, at the end of the day, you're a drummer and that's what's going to get you hired. You know, ostinatos in five and three against four are not going to get you hired. So, you know, do what you do, right? Well, exactly. I mean, everybody has a place. There's, you know, I mean, I've always believed that, Um, you know, it's just it amazes me when I see guys like you that. You, you know, if you told me, okay, Drumeo called, they want you out in their studio and they want you to do your best solo. Right. I, I wouldn't be able to say afterwards, okay, here's what I just did. Right. <laughs> you know, here's, right. here's how, here's how to break down the solo I just played. It would, right. you know, it would just be, okay, I'm going to cycle through chops basically, sure. you know? Um, well, I mean, but that's because of my education background and doing the chafey stuff. I mean, I can look at my Drumeo solo and I mean, most of it was off the cuff. I mean, obviously, I worked out the ostinatos prior to. Right. But it was improvised. Anything that's in there, I mean, I, if you asked me, what was that that you just played? I could tell you the exact sticking, what it was, and what, you know, that was exactly this. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I just know, I guess I know my own playing that well that I can do that. Right. So, I mean, which is kind of a blessing and a curse. And this is where, you know, getting into the whole Mark Giuliano thing, 
I'm trying to get away from that. And I've spent like the last year after I went out to Drumeo watching myself, I had spent so long preparing for that. I watched it and I went, meh, kind of sick of that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. I did. Trust and, me. I do. Yeah. So I've, I've literally spent like the last year or so, like kind of reinventing myself. Um, you know, I play a much smaller kit now. I've tried to step away from like those stock chops, so to speak. Um, but even like those stock chops, I'm trying to use them in different ways. Right. But yeah, I just got really sick of my own playing. And I think we all go, we all get to that level, right? Where it's like, I, I don't like the way I play anymore. Yeah. And I, I think all players go through that. I mean, not even just drummers, but, you know, guitarists, no. you know, piano players, you know, whatever your instrument may be. Of I th- course. I think everybody gets into some sort of playing rut. It's, it's how you... Yep. I think it's how you react to that rut that, you know, that, that decides a lot of how it's going to turn out for you. Right. I mean, you, you gotta, oh, I agree. you gotta fight through that stuff. Um, and you know, you're lucky in the sense that your students are still going to be showing up every day for their lesson. Right. And it, yeah. so, so you're going to have to sit there and play and think about drums. Whereas, right. you know, a guy like me, if I get, you know, sick of the way I'm playing, I might just set the sticks down for three or four weeks, which isn't ultimately isn't good for me, you know? No. And having said that, though, I mean, when I came back from Drumio, I don't think I touched my sticks like outside of teaching and, you know, the odd gig. Like I didn't actually sit down and practice for a while. Um, what I did do was I got on YouTube a whole bunch and just started studying a bunch of different guys and trying to figure out where I wanted to take my playing. Right. And so it really became, you know, kind of just a a mental lesson. And I think it was good because it it allowed me to clear my own head. But it also, which also, of course, allowed me to take in new information and, you know, start to understand guys like Mark Giuliano, get myself in that different headspace. Why is he popular? Why do people like him? What am I missing? What am I not getting? Do you know what I mean? Like, how am I not understanding? And so, excuse me, taking, you know, a a couple of weeks off from actually practicing did me a lot of good. Yeah. And sometimes it does, you know, I mean, yeah, for sure, man, you know, just to be able to control alt delete your own, uh, (laughs) your own inner (laughs) critic, you know, it's, it's, it's good stuff for sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, you know, and not only, you know, are you going out and doing the drumio stuff and and you're teaching all these kids, but, you know, I know that that you get quite a few calls, uh, you know, up there in your local scene saying, uh, hey, Rob's a guy that we can call. Our our drummer has the flu or, you know, sprained his ankle or, or whatever the case may be. But I know that you get a lot of lot of calls for fill in gigs and things like yeah. that. So it's not just that you're always, you know, face down in a book studying really, no. you know, esoteric, you know, sticking patterns and stuff like that. You get out and play as well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, and I've caught some videos of you with in like you know singer songwriter type things. You know where you're just playing time. So you know, yep. I always ask the the question of of my really gifted technical guests. You know, when you go out and play a singer songwriter kind of gig, is that just completely boring for you, or do you like it? Um, I think if it's good music, I like it a lot. Um, you have to find the challenge in whatever it is that you're doing, like. 
obviously I'm not going to start dropping quintuplets and, you know, subdividing polyrhythms when I'm playing with a singer songwriter, but I have to be a hundred percent focused on my groove. Right. And my own microdynamics. Right. I mean, if I get called to do a, to do a studio gig, I want that to be a first or second take. So I need to, you know, put all my concentration in and have fun with it. Right. If, I'm bored with it, then I'm not going to get called back. Right. Well, and, and that's, you know, I think that's the key is that you always want to get called back, right? Well, this is it. You know, I, I mean, if you, I, I, I absolutely do. You know, if your tax forms depend on, uh, <laughs> on the income that drumming provides, you always want that callback, no doubt about it. But I, absolutely. you know, my point of, of kind of going down that line of questioning Um, is, you know, when I watch you with a singer songwriter, your groove is, is great, you know, and I I think a lot of people immediately assume, okay, this is a guy that's a professional educator. He, he's a, a Gary, uh, Chafee expert, you know, he's not going to just go play four on the floor with a singer songwriter kind of thing, you know, or it's, or it's not going to sound natural. And, you know, I think if you can wear both of those hats, well, which you do, um, that takes a special kind of player, I think. Well, I did mention at the beginning that Vinny has had a huge impact on my playing. And the one thing that I've always loved about Vinny is that if you listen to him with Sting, his groove is as solid as anything that you're ever going to get. But, you know, when it's time to solo, he can throw down like anybody. Absolutely. And that, yeah, I mean, that has always had an impact on me that, you know, number one, you need to be able to groove like crazy. Number two with Vinny is the fact that he can sit in in any musical style and sound authentic. Yeah. And then lastly, of course, you know, there's, there's Vinny's mind and his ability to solo. So I always, you know, from the time I started listening to Vinny call you to, I decided that number one, my groove has to be really good. But more importantly, if I get a phone call for a blues gig, I need to be able to go in and anybody that's watching me go, yeah, he's a good blues drummer. And then if a metal guy calls me, I need to be able to go in and then they go, wow, man, that guy's a really good metal player. And, you know, jazz is the same. Like if I go play with a, a jazz trio, people say, yeah, he's a great jazz drummer. They don't know that I just played a metal gig two weeks ago. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't need to prove that to them. But at some point they might see me doing something else and go, holy geez, this guy can play everything. Right. Well, I- you know? And being a well-rounded player in this day and age, you know, I mean, if, if you're a drummer, you've got to be able to do all those different genres justice. I mean, it's, um, you know, when I get a, a studio session call, it may be a country band today. You know, it could be yeah. a, a hard rock group tomorrow. And well, and you know what? That's, that's, it's funny that you say that because I guess it was back in September, you know, I, I was doing uh, these gigs with this, you know, kind of high profile country guy here in, in Ontario. And, you know, we played the Saturday night, we had a big show and, and, you know, fairly big production. And, you know, first thing Sunday morning, I was in the studio doing almost like a dream theater esque like metal album. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was like, you know, sl- slide into one and into the other, like, you know, and I, I, I basically first or second took everything with the metal band and, you know, played a killer country show the night before. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I mean, that's, that's, that's huge. And, you know, I mean, we, we had, um, Rod Morgenstein on the other night, you know, one of my all time favorite drummers. And, you know, he had just wrapped up a tour with the Dixie Dregs and then was getting Mm -hmm. ready to go do a couple of shows with Winger. Those are two very different gigs. Very different. Very. And, and he even said, you know, I, I try to be authentic in, in each situation, um, and you know, he said, it's just like changing a hat. You know, I have to, I have to think a different way, you know, yeah. with, with each gig. Um, but you know, for, for guys that are, that are doing this often enough, you're, you're going to have to do a little bit of everything and do it well, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. I, I say that all the time, you know, be prepared when you, you know, any gig, any studio session, be prepared to play with a click. You're going to have to do it. You know, don't, <laughs> don't rely on your internal metronome. No. You're, you're going to have to play no. with a click sooner or later, and you're going to have to play well, that yay. style of music well with a click. <laughs> That's right. And most guys are afraid of the click and, you know, they have to get used to it and just think of it as another member of the band. I mean, that the way I think of it, whether, you know, some of the gigs I play, you know, maybe I'm playing with backing tracks, so I have a click in my in-ears along with backing tracks. I just think of that click track as one of the members of the band. Right. Who, who never messes up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can't, like a lot of guys are so afraid of it, so they automatically have their defense mechanisms up and they fight the click track and their time's all over the place. You, you know, you wouldn't do that if that was just a bass player playing perfect. You would play along with that bass player. Right. So, you know, if you look at the click track as just another instrument in the band, you know, it's the guy playing cowbell who doesn't ever lose time. Perfect. <laughs> I'm following him. Ex- you know? Exactly. I'm going to follow the guy that has perfect time. That's that's a good yeah, way to absolutely. look at it, Rob. Man, that's, yeah. that, that's, see the stuff we learn on the drum shuffle, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cool. Well, so... Rob, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your, your teaching schedule. You know, I, I don't know how many folks I have listening up in Canada. I know I've got a few at least, but um, are you doing any kind of, you know, Skype lessons or anything like that as well? No, I don't do any Skype lessons. Um, I kind of started to advertise Skype lessons and I, I really, you know, I had a few guys in choir and then I don't know. I just never really got into it. All of my students are, I would say, within a two-hour radius of where I live. I have a lot of guys that come from out of town. Um, you know, and they'll come in like once a month or once every other week type of thing, and they'll do an hour or two with me, and I'll just load them full of stuff, and, you know, off they go. Um, I have a bunch of beginners, um, and usually they come through uh, word of mouth, right? They're They're not generally you know, from advertising, because I don't really advertise. Most of it is just word of mouth. But, you know, I I pull from a fairly large uh, geographical radius. That's cool. I mean, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of them are are more advanced, or at least, you know, high-level intermediate to advanced. I have a couple of guys that are, you know, college music performance grads and whatnot. So, you know, I've, I've run the full gamut, I suppose. 
Sure. Well, you know, you mentioned that you have a lot of beginners and, and this is just me being curious, you know, because it's mm-hmm. been so long since I've given a drum lesson. Um, you know, w- when you have the beginner students come to you, uh, what are the kids wanting to do these days? You know, I mean, I, back when I was, you know, teaching some younger guys, they would come in and say, oh, I really want to learn this, you know, Green Day song or, or whatever it was, you know, or, or I want to learn to play a, a tool song or or whatever. What are yeah. the what are the kids asking to learn to play these days? Uh, not that. That's for <laughs> sure. I think that's. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, no, I've seen that change, too, because. You know, I remember the days where they'd bring in like, you know, a Blink-182 song and, and that's what got them into the drums. And I think now it's, they just want to learn because it looks like fun. They don't really want to play music. And I find most beginners, when you ask them, like, even what is your favorite band or what's your favorite song? They don't even have an answer. Yeah. Well, I- Which is really scary because I don't think that, like, I know at that age, I was listening to music all the time and I don't think that that's happening now. At least not like it used to when we were young. Yeah, well, and some of that has to do with just the oversaturation, you know, the 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 crazy, uh, you know, I guess, you know, Spotify with all the streaming services. It's just like you're overloaded with it. You know, it's all just right in front of you all the time. Oh, absolutely. And it's so easy to click from one song to another. Whereas, you know, I know when I was a young kid, you were either cassette or vinyl so it wasn't so easy just to go artist to artist to artist to artist you would actually sit and listen to an album and get acquainted with a band yeah and you know there's a lot of you know super successful musicians right now out there that don't release music as an album they just do singles now you know that's I mean, right. because that's the way we're consuming it so um definitely a change in the in the music industry therefore i guess that kind of rolls downhill to the to the instrument um, educators, you know, so. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I I even remember, you know, say being a young teenager sitting in a chair, you know, you're listening to your favorite album and you're looking at those liner notes and even cassettes had great liner notes and you'd know who the musicians were on it. You go, oh, it's so-and-so on drums. And he played on this other album that I had. Then you started to get acquainted with, oh, well, I liked his playing on that and I liked his playing on this. And then you start to develop, you know, your favorite players. Yeah. And I think nowadays, a lot of these guys, you know, their favorite players are whoever makes the best YouTube videos. And it's not even who are the best players. It's who's doing the best drum covers, who has the best mix, who has the best light. It, it has nothing to do with playing ability anymore. Well, that, that's a really good point. And, you know, I, there's kind of a running joke on the on the show that I use, you know, and I say it takes, a, you know, 30 seconds on Google to find, you know, an eight year old kid that can out drum me. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's pretty amazing. You know, I mean, everybody's a good player now. But, you know, I think it you bring up a really good point in that, you know, it's about the drum covers and, you know, who, who whose camera has the best angle and, and all that stuff. It's it's kind of a lost art form, you know, and I don't mean to sound like an old guy saying get off my lawn, but it, it isn't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it isn't the way it was even 20 years ago. It's way different. Oh, it's very, very different, which has changed the landscape of completely oh, I'm, I'm sure it has um, it really has you know because it, it's it's very hard you know when you have a beginner and you're teaching them like you know their basic drum beats and some basic drum fills and then they can't even relate that to music they don't understand that 
well, why am I crashing a symbol when I'm coming back in? Like, well, here, listen to this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Listen to this song. This is a good standard song and maybe you'll understand, but they, they don't, they have no idea how to relate that back to actual music. Yeah. Well, you know, and I don't think, you know, I'm 43. So when I was, you know, obviously growing up, we listened to a ton of music. Like I mentioned, I just understood the language of music. Yeah. As you know, anybody, I think that's over the age of 30 probably does because they grew up with it. Yeah. I'm, it's a great point. I mean, it, and I could go on and on for hours about, you know, uh, the, the drum samples and, you know, snapping stuff to the grid and Pro Tools. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, I could talk about that, you know, for, for hours and, and decry how it's, you know, robbing the soul of our music and, and all that stuff. But it is a really good point. It's different for kids that are getting into music. They're getting into a different style, not style of music, but a different kind of music than than what we were listening to, which was, you know, four, yeah. four dudes in a room cutting a cutting a track. Right. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, and I don't want to sound all negative here. You know, I'll give you one example. I have um, a female student. She's about 13 years old, relative beginner. And she's actually a very good player. She catches on super quick. I've never given her anything that she just didn't understand. She's, you know, she's going to be a hell of a player, you know, if she sticks with it. But, you know, now it's coming out that, okay, we, you know, I really like to listen to hip hop. Well, okay, that's great. So my way of relating this now to her is, you know, I asked her right away, have you ever heard of the song Amen Brother? And she said, what the heck is Amen Brother? So I explained to her, what the song is and that the Amen break came from the song Amen Brother and I wrote it out for her and I said here learn this because this is probably 90% <laughs> of your hip hop yeah and it's where drum and bass came from and we can start to tear this beat apart but this came from real music y yeah I mean and the, here's the song right yeah, yeah so, right the, the hip hop you know, kids so, should should be listening to Clyde Stubblefield and and Jabo yeah. Starks and and John Bonham. I mean, those are the three guys that are most sampled in that music. Well, um, the All Man Breaks actually the most sampled piece of music in music history. It's actually more sampled than the Funky Drummer, believe it or not. Really? Why? Well, see, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it is. And I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the All Man Break, but Google it, listen to it, and you're going to go, "Oh my God, I've heard that a gazillion times." Yeah. And, you know, I just relate it back. So, you know, when you get these people that are, you know, I like drum and bass or I like whatever. Well, yeah, let's go back to the Amen break. Let's go back to the funky drummer. Let's go back to John Bonham. And because, like you said, it's all sampled right from that. So let's go back to the source. And then you understand where your music came from. And at least I can give you a little bit of history. Sure. Well, and I think the history part of it is is what's so important, you know, and just simply because, you know, the way my brain works is when I hear a song or, or a record that I love, I'm like you into the liner notes. OK, who who is playing on this? Now, let me go find other things that he's played on. And it just kind of it, it's the rabbit hole of discovery. Right. I mean, you're absolutely. So that's the important part of it is to learn the historical significance of what you're listening to today. You know, if you can 
tie it back to something from the 70s or the 60s, you know, and, and then start exploring that, it makes you a, a better, well-rounded musician, no doubt about it. Well, yeah, and it just it, it just deepens the rabbit hole. I mean, when you listen to Benny Greb and then you find out that Benny Greb's influences include, say, Steve Gadd, and Steve Gadd's influences included Tony Williams, and Tony Williams' influences, you know, were Elvin Jones, Max Roach, and on and on. And then you look at who their influences were, and you find out it was Dave Tuff, and and it goes back, and all of a sudden you're like, well, now we're at the beginning of drumming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and you know, it, it's it's a huge history lesson, and then you start to discover all this music that maybe you didn't know existed. Yeah. You know, but then. If you go say Benny Greb to Steve Gadd, and all of a sudden you hear, once you've heard Steve Gadd, then you can hear that in Benny Greb. You know what I mean? So oh, like, for you're sure. like, okay, now I understand where he's getting his, his sound, his feel, his licks. I understand that now. Yeah. And, right? And, Benny and, Colyuda, Tony Williams was a huge influence. And you can, if you know Tony's playing, you can hear Tony's playing right through Benny Colyuda. Right. And, and I say it all the time. Every time I see a drummer playing, I'm stealing something to take home with me. And and we all oh, for sure. And we all do that, you know, and it's it's kind of like if you say this is my favorite drummer and then you see that he had these five influences, you're probably going to hear a mixture of those five guys in his playing his or her playing. Um, so, Absolutely. you know, that's what's so cool about it is once you hear that and then you go backwards, you know, as we said, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but, you know, when you go backwards through that, you're going to discover a whole lot of cool stuff, no doubt. Oh, for sure. Absolutely, man. Yep. Well, uh, it's, you know, the drum set history is rich, man. There's a lot of good players that came way before us. Oh, no, no doubt about that. And, you know, I, we, we all uh, aspire to be great and you have to listen to the greats to, to get some of that. You know, that's, that's my opinion anyway. Me too. Me too. Um, Rob, one of our traditions here on the drum shuffle, we always ask our guests for a good piece of advice for other drummers or other musicians. And, you know, you are a master educator. So enlighten us with some, some good advice. Uh, okay. I'm going to hit on a couple of points. Number one, listen to as much music as you can. Learn the language of every genre, learn where it came from. Even if you don't ever plan on playing it, learn the language. Um, number two, if you're young, practice as much as you can, uh, because you'll never have that time to do that as you get older. Uh, so put, you know, put your head down and uh, head down, horns out, and just practice like crazy. Um, but I think the most important, well, maybe not the most important, I think listening to music is the most important, but really important point here, you cannot learn how to play the drums online. You need a teacher. Um, you know, you need that coach. I mean, Tiger Woods at the top of his game had a swing coach. Jose Canseco, when he was a home run champ, still had a batting coach, right? If these guys that are making millions of dollars and are considered the best athletes in the world can have a coach, so can you. If you need to think of them as a coach as opposed to a teacher, then think of them as a coach. But you always need somebody who's objective and is willing to tell you the truth about you in your corner. And that's really good advice. I mean, that's great advice out there. Um, and you know, even some of the, the, 
the greatest singers in the world. You know, I mean, some guys that that I just absolutely idolize, you know, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. Yep. Freak of nature. The, the, the man is probably 70 now and he still sounds the same, you know. Yep. But he has a vocal coach on the road with him every day. And he <laughs> he goes into the shower and turns on hot water and gets steam going to open up his vocal cords. And he does a vocal warm up every night before he hits the stage. Um, Absolutely. It, it, you you need a coach. I mean, just uh, real quick here. One of my students, um, he's a an international touring drummer that just happens to live in the same town that I live in. Um, but you know, he's played with some pretty big bands, metal guy. Um, and he is one of my students and he came to me to help him fix his technique and kind of coach him along because he was getting sore after every show. You know, he was icing his hands. I mean, here's a guy that's playing in front of 80 to a hundred thousand people at festivals and he's coming for drum lessons. Like he doesn't need to come for drum lessons. He's a hell of a player, but he knows that he can get better and he knows that you know, I'm going to be objective and tell him the truth and help him along his way. If he can do that, man, anybody, everybody should be doing it. I still go for drum lessons. You know what I mean? I mean, I only go like once a year, but I still go. Right. You know, it's important. If you want to get to that level, you're never going to do it watching YouTube. That's true. I, it, you know? Yeah, I, I do know. And it, it's, you know, I think we as drummers need to surround ourselves with other drummers. You know, it's it, it, we're we're not like guitar players. There's there's um, amongst drummers. There's this camaraderie, and I'm not taking anything away from guitar players. You know, but I'm just saying, gu- guitar players. You know, tend to have a little bit more of a rivalry aspect. Yes. You know, drummers. It really is this really cool fraternal brotherhood and we're all rooting for one another no doubt about it um Mm -hmm. you know i I think being around other drummers and talking to other drummers um you know just in the the you know 50 or 55 minutes we've been on the phone tonight i've learned things from you rob you know i mean that's that's so important is to continue gaining knowledge and and learning from from other people and you know, um, it, you know, doctors sit and talk to one another and they learn things from one another. We, we need to make sure we're doing that as drummers, no doubt. Oh, I agree. I agree, man. Is you know, drummers are just the coolest. <laughs> Aren't we? Really? Though? I mean, <laughs> right. No, but it's the truth, man. I mean, like I've never met a drummer, you know, even like in my formative years when I was going to college and stuff, you see a guy do something and you're like, what the heck did you just play? I've never seen a drummer go, that's my secret. Yeah. I have seen guitar players do that. Like, no, I'm not showing you that lick, man. That's my lick. Right. Exactly. I've never, ever seen a drummer do that. I mean, I can remember, you know, I went to college for music performance and, you know, you'd have all these drum cubicles or, or small practice rooms and, you know, you walk by and you're like, oh man, what was it that you were just working on? Like, that was really cool. And, you know, the guy'd be like, oh, come on in, I'll show it to you, you know, and, and vice versa. People would walk in on me and, oh, what the heck was that? And, oh, this, it's this and here's the sticking and here's how I'm playing it, right? Like, we're just really cool like that. Yeah. I, well, I, there's no doubt about it. I mean, and it is just such a cool brotherhood and, you know, something that I've learned recently, you know, I mean, I, 
most of my playing career, I think I'm I'm safe in saying is is in my rearview mirror rather than out my windshield. You know, I've mm-hmm. been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, I had never been, uh, you know, uh, an endorser of any brands or anything until, you know, four or five years ago. And, right. you know, that's kind of how our paths crossed. You know, we, we both yep. are on the Dream Symbols artist roster. We're both on the Los Cabos Drumsticks artist roster. Yep. Yep. That That's some of the, the just great friendships that I've built, you know, being parts of those companies, you know, with the other artists. And it's like, yeah, you anytime you reach out to, to one of those guys and say, Hey man, you know, I'm on the, the lost Cabos roster with you, or I'm on the dream symbols artist roster with you. Would you come on my, my podcast? Of course. You know I mean? It's just yeah. like, it, it's, it is such a fraternal brotherhood. And, you know, I, I, I keep saying that, but I, I want to stress that to my listeners that, you know, we, we have something different than, than other dudes in bands. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, man. We both just happen to play some of the coolest brands out there. So, yeah, well, there's no, there's definitely no doubt about that. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. As a matter of fact, my first guest on this show was Brian Larue from Dream Symbols. Um, yes, I, I heard that episode. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, so I said if I'm going to start a podcast, I'm going to bring on one of the coolest dudes I know. And of course, you know, I had to reach out to Brian, and you know, I've had Phil from Los Cabos on here. You know, I've had yeah. Josh from Natal Drums. Um, it's just a really cool uh, family atmosphere. Uh, amongst other drummers, you know, and we're all looking yeah. to, to help each other out. So, um, Rob, tell our listeners where we can find more information on you. Yeah, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, just look me up, Rob Ryan with two B's, R-O-B-B-R-Y-A-N. Um, my, my Facebook page is Rob Ryan Drum Lessons. Uh, you can go to www.robryandrums.com. Uh, and I can't remember my Instagram, so I, <laughs> I guess I can't say that. <laughs> well, I, I post to it all the time. I just don't remember what it is. Well, we will send folks to find you on, on Instagram as well. Um, you know, I'll ask my daughter here in a little bit. She knows where everybody's at on Instagram these days, I think. So, um, oh, you know what? I think it's actually, uh, it's at rhythmic vocabulary is what it is. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, we're going to send folks your way. Um, yeah. You know, Rob, thanks so much for coming on. I, it's been super educational for me. Um, just a cool. monster player. Your your technical ability is is just incredible. Um, folks, no, you. if you haven't seen the videos that we've referred to, uh, hit Rob up on his website. Um, it, d- just do a quick search on YouTube. Um, you know, it's just amazing to see what, uh, what our guests can do. So Rob, thanks so much for taking the time. You're welcome here. Anytime your schedule allows, sir. Oh, thanks man. Yeah, it was fun. You're welcome. All right, man. We'll talk to you real quick. Okay. All right. Thanks man. All right. See you, Rob. All right, guys and girls, that's going to do it for episode 26 of the Drum Shuffle. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. We always ask, go ahead and hit the subscribe button to whatever platform you're using to listen in. It helps us tremendously to continue to grow. 
It's hard for me to believe that we are now six months into the drum shuffle um, and, and we're just growing by leaps and bounds every week. And that's thanks to every single one of you. Um, you know, got an email not too long ago asking, what can I do to help? tell a friend, send a link to somebody that helps us more than anything. Make sure you tune in next week. We're going to be joined by uh, a great young jazz drummer by the name of Brandon Goodwin. Brandon leads uh, a, just a fantastic band called Bees Bees. Uh, trust me on that. Um, you're you're going to want to hear that episode. We've got lots of great guests coming up. Again, thank you for tuning in. We, we can't do any of this without all of you. Our web address is the drum shuffle com. You can find more information on me over at jamieeads.com. And we love hearing from you throughout the week at the drum shuffle podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers. Cheers.